Hello and welcome to another episode of Sit in the Attendee's Chair with myself, Joanne Dennison, CMP. And today in the studio, we also have on microphone one and controls. Hi, Kelly here. <laughs> and Steve the Great, also known as STG to my personal close friends. Like Devin. Like Devin, that's the only, yeah. That you're only close and <laughs> personal friends. She actually in, uh, came up with that, so kudos to her, because it's a lot less to say. Oh, she came up with the STG. She didn't come up with Steve. No, Gray. no. No, you did no, that no. all on your own. That's right, that's right. Yes, so Devin, thanks for, you know, making him an acronym or something like that. Anyway, uh, glad to have you back. Hopefully you've, um, well, I'm assuming if you've ba- you're back that you had uh, enjoyed or found informative or whatever. Um, maybe this is your first one that you're listening to, but hopefully you've gotten something from the, the ones prior to this one being posted. And I don't think I talked about this last, uh, the last one I recorded, but I was thinking about it because I thought, what is the purpose the goals and objectives. Did I talk about that last time? The goals and objectives of the podcast. Did I talk oh, about that? I think that? you touched on it a little bit, but a little bit. I don't know how much it's. What I got to thinking about was Kelly was part of my uh, graduate class at Boston University in the spring of 2021, and I was thinking about how I ended up breaking it down at like the second half of the semester of what I wanted you all to do because I felt like it wasn't. Because I refused to do things like normal tests and quizzes and things like that, which drove them berserk, to put it mildly, I was trying to explain to them, and I told them this pretty much every week, I want you to think. That's what I want you to do. I don't want to teach you, you know, if you're in grad school, I don't want to teach you basic stuff. I want to teach you how to think about the stuff and what to do with it. So what I came up with was I wanted them to learn from what I was talking about and what they were reading and what they were talking about to each other. Um, Then I wanted them to think, as in think about it, think about how it, you know, affects them, et cetera, like process the information. uh, Learning to me, as many of you know, is not memorizing, which I feel so much of education that is out there is about memorizing something. And many of you know I'm just – That's not learning to me. That's just literally memorizing, and pretty much anything you memorize, you eventually forget because it's not useful. But if you actually learn something and think about it and process it, and then to me the third most important step is applying it. Okay, you've learned this, you've thought about it, and now you know how to apply it in different situations. Um, I talk about concepts a lot, and... You know, a concept can be valid for, you know, 500 different situations in your lifetime, whereas something you memorize, you may only need for that test or quiz or one time whatever. Uh, So I guess the purpose of the the podcast is pretty much the same, I realized. It's about learning, um, not just from me, but the guests who are on it and topics and resources I, I mentioned, thinking about okay, how's that apply to me? How's that apply to my job? How's that apply to meetings and uh, events, my organization, maybe even my personal life? And then how do I turn around and uh, apply what I've just learned? So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Totally does. Yeah, I agree. And I remember something you would say in classes, 
you would you one thing you would say uh, like why we didn't have any tests or quizzes <laughs> you say like there's not like one right answer so I don't want to like give you a test I remember you saying that one time and that's completely true I feel like there's just so many right answers and it's just different for everyone right that makes sense <laughs> no but it does and and you got it because you know when I would uh, give you all those assignments it was like it's very personal like how are you perceiving this how are you thinking about it? what are your life experiences your filters that are built in based on what you've already experienced in life and that's why when I read the midterm papers and I read the final papers if you ever saw how extreme they were at times like if I had to pick the spectrum from you know this to this but the cool thing was is I really saw people were thinking about what I was talking and saying well in my mind you know whether it be using the unused parking garage five six story parking garage which each level being either a different event or a different level of an event uh, their midterm was find a space that is being not used for meetings and events or being underutilized for meetings and events. And again, this was, you know, spring of 2021. So we're, we were in peak, you know, um, lockdown and minimally going places and, and things like that. So, you know, how could we create a pandemic safe event uh, using space that was not being utilized and um, from empty storefronts to the parking garage to I'm sorry I've forgotten what one was yours oh mine was turning a um, an old movie theater into just like one of like event space and just utilizing like the setup of the theaters and um, just all the things that are there as like an event space Something like that. I yeah. can't really remember. No, I do remember because it was based in, you were looking at Tallahassee, Tallahassee. and the lack of the fact that there was not a lot of meeting and event space, especially mm -hmm. if people needed to spread out or big open spaces and the movie theaters were all dark at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I thought that was a great idea. And, you know, the funny thing is, is the uh, movie theaters have been trying to pitch to businesses now for a number of years. And I think with mixed success and probably because their messaging isn't, they're not hitting the right points, maybe. Um, but, you know, because I remember thinking, oh, she should go talk to some of them and, <laughs> you know, show them how they need to be doing this. So anyway, um, but that ties in actually to what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, and this also came out of a conversation from my graduate class, because as we were, I forget if it, I I think it was the second, the final paper. Leading into it, seriously, I think they were just, except they were all virtual, except Kelly and Care Bay, um, they just, they didn't know what to do with me because I kept pushing them. And I just felt, you're graduate students. You know, I'm no, I'm not going to give you the easy way out. And they were just struggling, and I would get this, well, I'm not creative, and I'm not this, and I'm not that. And so what I got to thinking about is I had some people in the class who were very definitely, you know, very comfortable with creative and, um, you know, in the traditional sense. So let's say artsy, you know, what we might call right brain, you know, give me some scraps of fabric, a few flowers and some little white lights and we're good to go. 
that kind of people. But then I had other people who had come very much from the operations side of things. And um, the master's program is, is very heavily into the business side and business analytics and financial, all stuff that is not my forte. So it's always interesting when I end up in a room full of people that are being taught in every other class about that. Um, but they were great problem solvers. So the conversation I had with them one day in class was, let's think of creativity on the right hand, since we frequently think of it as right brain, and problem solving on the left brain. So we usually think of like engineers and, you know, scientists and those kinds of people uh, as the problem solvers. Steve, what are you going to say? He looked like he was going to say something. I wasn't, but I can always say something. <clears throat> I have nothing. I was listening, okay. thinking about movie theaters. Oh, okay, back on movie theaters. And parking okay. garages, things like that. Yes, parking garages. So, um, Actually, uh, I saw her labor, Joanne, labor over this. She labored uh, a long time. Uh, I mean, you know, it's called living with a meeting player. So uh, in this case, living with a professor teaching a graduate-level class <coughs> that she was extremely concerned about. So... Go ahead. Not concerned yeah. in a bad way, but concerned with giving them the best that she could. Yeah, that, that's true. And, and and as important, having them walk away with, the, yeah, I know my shirt's. Well, it's hard to take a picture. Oh, well. He's trying to take pictures when I'm talking and, you know, <laughs> whatever. So some of you may have seen on my LinkedIn profile that I talk about being the child of a, a right brain mother and a, a left brain father. You know, uh, I always joke my mother was the kind that could pick up a paper towel tube and go, oh, look what we can do with this. And, you know, and I definitely have inherited that from her. I mean, you know, it, it's, I, that's the way I lived my whole life when I was planning meetings and events, you know, definitely what can we do with this or we can do with this. And, you know, I'm, uh, a standard joke uh, in, in the house, and probably many of you run into this too, is walking into a space. And I think this is uh, one of many meeting and event planners' superpowers, walking into any space, which is what I was trying to show them, any space and going, oh, you know what we could do with this? This would be great for an event. If we do blah, 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 you know, and like we're off. She does that all the time with me. Yes, we walk I mean, anywhere and everywhere, indoors, outdoors, and she can go, oh, that, that would be perfect for this or this. Well, and I think the first time I really noticed it was when I was in Thailand, when I was in Bangkok teaching CMP uh, my second year. So that was, what, 2017, I think it was. Um, and uh, two of the people from my class who remain dear friends to this day, David and AJ, um, we they took me out to dinner wonderful restaurant down on the river et cetera, et cetera. but they had walked me around a lot of bangkok that i hadn't gotten to see like a lot of the older buildings and just telling me about life in bangkok david is an expat of 30 years although he just recently moved back uh to england um and aj you know had lived most of its life somewhere in the uh, you know thailand southeast asia area so it was a fascinating evening but we rounded this corner. We're almost to where our restaurant is, and there's this big open space with, you know, this and this and this. And all three of us, like, simultaneously looked at this and to go in, 
wouldn't this be great event space? Like totally on cue and and not even know what we were doing. And it dawned on me really then how much we do that. Um, you know, uh, so that's kind of the the very traditional creative right brain. And you know, I've been joking lately. You know, nothing that uh, some little white lights can't fix um, because of the some products we're developing and things like that. So, uh, and then my dad, uh, very, very traditional left brain engineer. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, everything very analytical, overly analytical. Um, you know, definitely thought like a flow chart, um, you know, I was talking to a client yesterday and she was saying, you know, she plans for scientists and a lot of them are engineers and how it's like, we don't need flowers on the registration table. That's a waste. We don't need, you know, and, and, you know, my planner friends at IEEE, a lot of who have been in my classes have told me my dad was a member of IEEE, which is the largest engineering professional association, I believe globally, and it has all kinds of engineers, chemical engineers, electrical engineers, industrial engineers, computer engineers, Real, anything that's railroad, railroad engineer. I don't know about that one. Okay. Um, and, you know, they would say how they would, you know, plan this really nice lunch in another room so people could get a break from being in whatever they were doing, their meeting or their training. And they were always like, why? Why do we need to leave the room? Just roll it in. We'll have a working lunch. And I was like, oh, this is so my dad. Absolutely so my dad. So, you know, I always joke that I like to think I got the best of both of them and I try to balance it out. I try to be, you know, both you know, my mom in many different ways and my dad in many different ways. So, uh, you know, I try at least. Uh, it took me years to realize that I was both of them, you know, as as you're growing up, you try to deny anything <laughs> that you have of your parents. Um, but it also made me realize that I can approach things differently. I can talk to people in different mindsets differently. And that's why I joke about I can speak both languages. But Here's what I talked to the class about, and I want you to think about. I, uh, again, I was working with a, a client yesterday, a guiding client who's rearranging, you know, resume, LinkedIn profile, job search, et cetera, et cetera. And we were talking about how much we all stumble over what words to use to describe ourselves. We are not comfortable. I usually find a lot of the people who are comfortable talking about themselves <coughs> are missing some other boxes that need to be checked but most of us are very uncomfortable writing or talking about ourselves uh and we struggle with what words to use and well that's kind of me but not really and uh so it was a real good conversation to be having with her um because i had had her do the three go-to words exercise and god bless her she had it on a spreadsheet with totals i loved that that was great but um the thing is, I began to realize when I was talking to the, when we had this class uh, this spring, was creativity and problem solving are the two sides of the same coin. Both are a form of problem solving. You know, if you, if you are creative, you are problem solving. If you're problem solving, you're being creative in solving the problem. It's just how you approach it may be different in your mindset. Um, uh, but 
you know, I've had people say in meetings and events, well, I'm not really a creative person. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, they are. They solve problems every day. They're not creative in terms of they can't arrange flowers. They may not be good on picking out the right menus. They may not be understanding the visuals and the lights and the colors and the that kind of stuff. But they're really good. Um, this client actually put it really well yesterday. She says, I can't empty... I can't enter an empty room and know where things should be, you know, where the best place they would be. She said, because she was talking about her, her sister-in-law who was a stager and, uh, you know, for homes when they go on the market and everything. She says, I can't do that. However, I can walk into a room that's set up and go, oh, that needs to move over there. She can solve the problem. And that's, Again, a form of creativity. Both are solving problems, but they're approaching it in different ways. So I'm sharing this with you because I want you to think about it when you think about your uh, meetings and events. Sorry, probably should have brought a cough drop, it looks like. Um, but also back to the whole thing about how do you talk about yourself and what you do? So when you look at your LinkedIn profile, including that title under your name, you know, people know that I am not fond of. If yours says senior meeting planner or corporate meeting planner or pharmaceutical planner or whatever, <coughs> hmm. um, you and a gazillion other people. So thinking about really who you are and what makes you special, like what do you, what makes you stand out? Um, you know, and, and that might be a place to start. Like, are you the problem solving analytical type of creative or are you the creative where you can, you know, fill the room with the right atmosphere and the, you know, the right lights, the right colors, the right theme, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just something to think about you because all of you are that. Why are you laughing? Oh, hey, uh. No random comment. Okay. Did it have to pertain with what I was talking about? No, I don't know uh, <coughs> where I was. Okay. I was solving a problem. You were solving creatively. a problem. He's probably thinking about where we're going for lunch or something. <laughs> That's a thought. That's a thought. Um, but it is really important that you start identifying, you know, whether it be you're happy in your job, you want to stay there forever, et cetera, et cetera, but you just want to be recognized, not just, but you want to be recognized for the work you do or you're looking for a promotion or you're looking for a new job, you need to t learn how to talk about yourself and what you do and how you accomplish it. Um, I think it's really important because, and I didn't turn my phone off, which is why it's dinging. Um, oh, just got a text. Oh, that's, uh, I I should share it because it's about the po a different podcast, but uh, I won't because I don't want to cause anyone to be embarrassed. Um, that's her boss. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, he sees it. Um, but it's really important that you learn to talk about who you are, what what you bring to a situation, how you accomplish things, how you work, what you do. And when we're in an industry where no one understands what the heck we do, 
um, it's very, very important that you uh, be able to talk about that because people's perceptions are based around words. And, and if, if we say, oh, I'm not creative or they think you're only creative isn't frou-frou, like you know how to throw the white lights up, but they don't see the value in it, um, that's not going to help you. Um, but if you can show, again, why it's solving a problem, either in a creative or maybe I should say for problem solving, analytical, like a creative way versus an analytical way, um, then you're explaining a lot about yourself. And uh, words are just so important, and we slip up all the time, including myself. And trust me, it's taken the past 15 years so I can even write or talk about myself in an appropriate manner that actually tells people what I can do, who I am, and sound like I actually mean it as opposed to apologize for it. Uh, and I think that's something, but there's a lot of words that we use that that slip up. And I have heard people in this industry say, oh, well, you know, I'm not creative. Yes, you are. Just think about how your creativity comes out. One of the... Uh, other things, and I know this is kind of very roundabout way of talking about these things, but again, I guess I want you to think. I want you to think about you. Um, when I work with people who are my guiding clients, whether they're in meetings and events or, you know, they're in a, a different world, talk a lot about I, I'm, not a fond, I'm not fond of the expression team player. And uh, to me, team player, well, first of all, we all know it's incredibly overused. Uh, I should add that to my list of the U word and the P word and the, you know, all those. But anyway, team player is incredibly overused. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. That's not just my opinion. But uh, here's where I struggle. I don't think it really tells anyone anything. Team player to me means you play nice with people. That, that's all it tells you. But it doesn't tell me anything about you. One, I expect you to play nice with people. So if you have to tell me that you play nice with people, I'm going to worry right there. But what I want to know is what do you do, who you are? In other words, what role are you on on the team? And what I always tell people is if you look at a baseball team, there's catchers and pitchers and shortstops and umpires. And I mean, technically the umpire isn't part of the team, but... You know, there's all these different roles and the same thing on football or hockey or any other team, okay? What you need to be able to say is what your role is on the team. So, uh, you know, I was talking to someone last night and collaborative. She's the one that gets everyone to collaborate and she's very good at bringing people together. I've had um, other people who are mentors and teachers. They're the one that everyone goes to to you know, I really don't understand that, you know, new, you know, Microsoft Teams that we're using now, or I don't understand how to use this new platform we're using for this or this, you know, they're that person that everyone goes to. That's why I call them the three go-to words is what do people think of when they think of you or what do people always go to you for? So I think as you're thinking about what role you play on the team, you know, uh, thinking about all of this and again talking about the creativity or the analytical you know how do you solve a problem do you believe all problems can be solved uh, I need to remember to take a picture of this wonderful sign that Rochelle sent me uh, that says everything is figure outable 
And I, I love that. And she said, I, I came to realize that why I was taking the CMP class and, and, you know, preparing for the exam and everything like that, that everything is figureoutable. And I love that sign, and I need to remember to take a picture to give it to Kelly or, or one of the other troopers to get up on social media. It's actually, if you ever see me sitting at my desk in a Zoom or a picture, it's, it's right by me. It's in the shot. But, you know, what role do you play on what people call a team? Everyone has a different role they play, and you need to know how to explain how you play nice with people. What's your effect? How do you get your job done? What's your effect on the organization, the people you work with, etc.? So it's really important that you be able to talk about yourself. Um, two words I was also thinking about, and I had to correct myself a minute ago because I absolutely have tried to really eliminate this word from my vocabulary for about 10 years, and it's the word just. Pay attention, <coughs> excuse me, to how many times you use the word just. And we do it a lot. We do it, um, we do it in our personal life. We do it in our professional life. We'll say, you know, someone will compliment us or recognize it, and you'll say, oh, it's just my job, or um, it's just, I'm trying to think of an example uh, of how we use it. But you automatically, you automatically downplay it. Let me tell you how my ferociousness about this word came to be, actually. Nothing to do with our industry. Per, totally personal story. So um, when my mom began to have health problems uh, about 12 years ago, she went undiagnosed for over a year. Uh, undiagnosed, misdiagnosed, however you want to put it. And uh, I moved to be with her, and it was a battle and a half. And there were a lot of things. You know, it was always, oh, it's just a blood test. Well, there were a lot of reasons multiple blood draws were, were bad for my mother. She was a breast cancer survivor. One arm couldn't be used, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was always whenever I was asking questions, you know, or saying, well, why does she need to have this? Why does she need to have this blood test? Why does she need, you know, or they'd say, oh, it's just this, or it's just a prescription, or it's just, I couldn't believe how many times they downplayed things, you know, oh, it's just, you know, brain surgery. It's just, and luckily no one ever downplayed the brain surgery like that. But I realized how many times they used just. Um and it really bothered me because they were downplaying like, oh, it's nothing major. But it was frequently for my mother for one reason or another, like the blood draws. And I actually ended up doing a, pre a presentation at a um, conference on aging. And it was called, it's just... It's just, just a, a paperclip. Pa just a paperclip. Uh, I couldn't remember if paperclips were in it or not. And... What I did was I uh, took paper clips and I scattered. I think it was just called It's Just. Mm -hmm. I'm not it's sure we just. even finished mm -hmm. it. And what we did before they came in, it was a, a luncheon keynote, is I sp we spread paper clips randomly around the room on chairs, on the floor, on the edge of the tables and everything like that. And it was the kind of thing that if you went to the table, you probably would have brushed it off your chair onto the floor mm -hmm. like – 
what the hell's this paper clip doing on my chair type thing. And so when I led them through, you know, uh, and I said, did you notice anything, blah, 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 blah. And so I told them, you know, the paper clips, how many of you just, you know, swept it off your chair or knocked it off the table or, you know, and, and so I went into this whole thing about it's just, but it's not when it's you and it's not when it's your family. But what I began to realize is how many times I use the word just. You know, um, it's just this, it's just that. Uh, and what I realized is every time we use the word just, we're diminishing something. We're minimizing. Is that the word? Yeah, I think so. Uh, what we're saying. So um, it's kind of like saying it's nothing. Well, it, it was just a PowerPoint presentation. It was just a phone call. It was just this. But the reality is it might have been very important. But the minute we put just in front of it, we are saying we're minimizing what we're doing. We are saying what we did was not important. So first of all, we could go into the whole compliments thing, you know, how we take compliments to bed. But if you go in and you say to someone that you're working with, well, you know, you know, this is just a PowerPoint display I put together for you to, you know, take to the CEO and do whatever, whatever. You've said what you are doing is not important. So I tried to be very conscious. And if you go back and listen earlier on in the podcast, I corrected myself because I did say just something. I can't even remember now what it was. And I corrected myself. But listen to how many times you say just. If you want to be seen, heard, taken seriously, valued for what you do, whether it be in your personal life or your professional life, you know, and don't do it to your kids, don't do it to your significant others, don't do it to your families. There really are very few just, you know, if someone did something, full credit should be given. And the other word that, and I've thought about this a lot in the past year and a half, I'm not sure it really hit me until the past year and a half, but because of a variety of things that have happened in the world, um, you know, it really made me realize also how often we use the word all. All. And it's usually in regards to people. You know, all women. And I'll stick with that one because that one I can speak from. I do not want to speak for someone of a different culture, a different race, um, a, a different gender or sexual preference. I don't want to speak for any of them. But I have realized that when we say all women, all girls, all, I'll say men, I mean, any time we're putting everyone in a category, it's a very dangerous thing to do. Because, and I think we have to be more and more careful in our professional life, not because it's politically correct, not because it's the law, not because, but there are no alls when it comes to people. If you really think about, and I mean, I sit, uh, Steve will attest, this is the kind of thing I'll sit and think about and think about and think about for days and weeks and months, like looking for exceptions to poke my theory, you know, in, and make it blow up and everything. But I, I've been trying to think. You if think I about it all the time. Yes, but that's not people. That's the difference, though. You know, because I thought, is all always a dangerous word? And I thought, well, I guess what I'm thinking about when we say it, it's about people, again. And, and, and not to get political, but totally just to say what I hear people saying. 
all men, all women, all girls, all boys, um, you know, uh, all gays, all blacks, all uh, um, disabled, all Republicans, all Democrats, all vaccinated, all not vaccinated. And really, if you look for the stories of people, there is no all on any of those. And we have put people into this category and we have made assumptions because of it. And I know as a woman who has fought very hard to be seen, you know, as an equal or, you know, a, at least my own person, not not boxed into a category. It worries me how much we use the word all about a group. Go ahead. What are you going to say? Could you all my attendees like that? Well, and exactly. Carrying it perfect. Uh, thank you. That's a great example. You know, this is how we think going into our meetings and events sometimes, too. All millennials, all my attendees, all my engineers, all my, uh, you know, creatives, whatever they are, lumping them into a category. And even if you've ever either been the planner or membership involved in a professional association, either on the paid staff or as a member, there is no all. Um, I mean, I look at my, you know, when I was in my college career, I was, uh, you know, involved in um, ACUI and NACA, uh, National Association of Campus Activities and the Association of College Unions International, and there was something, uh, College Student Personnel Association. As I moved into this world, you know, uh, uh, many of you know I've been involved in MPI, Meeting Professionals International, for years, um, National Speakers Association. There is no all. I mean, there are some similarities, but we are all as different, you know, there are definitely, you know, breakdowns in that allness, shall I say. And we need to do that for our attendees. If we assume, and I think I talked about assume in a prior podcast, actually, my original boss who, who talked about that told me what that meant. Um, we get into dangerous category. So assuming all of our attendees are going to like something or want something, uh, this is why needs analysis are so, you know, important. And when I look even at the BU class, well, both of the BU classes. So I taught in fall of 2019 where everyone was in person in my class, and I had, what I have, 10, 10 countries? You had many eight, countries, eight, 10 many countries. international students. Yeah, because um, I know I had, you know, Kazakhstan and Russia and France and South Korea and India and... Uh, UAE. I had two from the United States. Um, I know there are others that I had China, Taiwan. I forget where else. Um, and it was a very interesting experience. A lot of them, you know, had just moved to the U.S. Some of them, I don't know if it was anyone's first time, but it was just for me to make the assumption. And the other thing is, at that point, that class, there were people who had never worked in meetings, events, and hospitality, and they were suddenly in my graduate class. So me trying to figure out, you know, me walking in with one perception of who the students were going to be and what they needed, I was changing weekly what I was doing. But even this spring, um, again, I was teaching on three different platforms, face-to-face, -face, which Kelly was gracious enough to come to pretty much every week, um, which I so appreciated. 
And uh, then I had a lot of people on Zoom. And then I had uh, one person who was learning asynchronously because she was on a 13 or 15 hour time difference in North Central China. And, you know, she watched the recordings. But I also had all these people. Now, this particular class had a lot more people who had meeting event and hospitality experience of some kind, which changed throughout everything I had thought from before. Talk about trying to know who your attendees are. And, you know, that seems to have been missed in my two classes. And I'll take responsibility for that. Um, But again, uh, this class, we had a lot more people from the United States although many of them had lived in other countries before they came to the United States. And then I had uh, people from um, a number of other countries. So if I assumed, and I did, that, oh, this is what all my students need. So it was like, it was, some of you know, one of my favorite sayings is best is a moving target. My class, and Steve can attest to it, because like he said, he watched me every week trying to figure out how to create the best class and throw out everything I thought I was going to do and do it something else. Sometimes the night before class. Sometimes the morning of, because yes. I had an afternoon class. How many videos were we <laughs> taping the morning of class? Yes. tried to get them done by Tuesday, but oh, Tuesdays I had to go for my COVID test. Um, so didn't always get the videos gone done. So again, just... Pay attention to some of the words you used. It just happens to be a big one for me that my eyes have been opened. All is one of the ones that I think I always thought this, but this past year and a half because of so much we've been through and listening to people get upset and put labels on people and group everyone together and assume they're all thinking and doing the same thing has made me very conscious of it um, anywhere. And Steve's totally right. You know, We do that to our attendees for sure. Um, I won't even go into my whole thing about never and how I try never to use the word never or at least say I never will do something. Um, That's a whole nother story. So point being is, you know, choosing your words to fit you, to fit who you are, what, what you bring to the team, what position you play on the team. You know, going back to the whole, you know, are you creative or are you analytical? Both, again, I see as sides of the same coin. Your problem solving is what you're doing. Thinking about words like just, where you're minimizing what you did or you're minimizing what someone else did. Uh, I think those are very dangerous. Um, and it, it's, it's about really wanting to present who... We wonder why people are confused sometimes or perceive us differently than we want to be perceived. And the choice of words we use about ourselves and others, I think, is a huge one. But hopefully the thought about creativity and analytical problem solving makes you sit and think, which am I? Or maybe you're like me. I mean, it's a running joke. I'll throw white lights up anywhere. If in doubt, ask Steve um, or read the article about living with a meeting planner that he wrote last year. Um, that's actually in the latest e-guide. If you got the, what e-guide was this week? 15th, August 15th e-guide of 2021. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's actually a link to, to that article, but I'm definitely my, my father's daughter too. I mean, I've realized I very definitely can, can and do think in a flow chart at times. So, um, hopefully I use the right, no, the appropriate, correct part of my brain and my style at the correct times 
But the main thing is, is I can identify that. I know this about me. Um, and I've got to say, part of that knowledge has probably come in the past five years uh, that I really realized how much I was part of each of my parents. So any comments, questions, thoughts, anything resonate with either of you? Thank you for bringing in the attendees. That was great, Steve. What do you think you are? Creative uh, or analytical or when you think about how you approach an event or something? Probably creative. I don't know. That's it's kind of hard because I feel like after being in school for so long, I've like kind of switched to more analytical. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I'm actually more creative. I just fun sometimes I forget that. Fun part's <laughs> the creative part. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that scared me to death. I know Joanne was planning a, her meet-in retreat, and she enlisted the help of three other planners, and I heard them on the phone. Well, what if we did this? What if we did that? How about this? Let's try this. <coughs> My only comment was, listen, uh, ladies, uh, there's a million-dollar budget on this. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a million dollars, trust me. But no. uh, no. hopefully as the podcast go on, you'll hear more about meet and retreat. We are We ended up postponing the one from 2021, and now in retrospect, it was probably really good for lots of reasons. Um, but we will be looking to do one in 2022, and that will basically be a um, – a retreat, a get-together for anyone who has been involved in the CMP process with me, taking a variety of different kinds of classes. And it's so we can all get together and we can talk and we can learn. And uh, a lot of people have met virtually. So be talking uh, more about that um, as we get closer to 2022 and what we think we're going to do. Um, it, it's always, we always have information in the e-guide. If the e-guide is the, um, electronic newslettery thing, I always say, I'm not sure it, it deserves full newsletter status, but, um, it, it comes, uh, from me and has a variety of different things. And if you're not on the subscription list, what do they have to text, Steve? I always forget. They can number. text me guide to 22828. And that's meat guide is in... M-E-E-T, not the one you eat. Meat guide. All one word. Yep, all one two word. Two and two that eight. will add you to the e-guide list. And it comes out approximately, we never promise anything. Uh, currently, it's coming out approximately every two weeks. There have been times it's come out once a month. And there have probably been times where it's been every six weeks. It depends how many people are, are in my troop and, and what's going on. And the links to the podcast are in there as well, right? Yep, links to the podcast. Um, also, uh, if if you're listening to this in 2021, um, Steve is working at, on putting together, based on his two articles of Living with a Meeting Planner, he has been encouraged to... Uh, encouraged. Encouraged. Uh, threatened, not by me, but some Cajoled. other people. Um to write a, we're going to say, he wanted to say booklet. I said, how about gift book, small gift book? He said, well, it's not going to be 800 pages. I said, oh, I hope not. Um, very few books are anymore. Uh, but um, if you have people in your life who think some of the things you do are odd hmm. because you're a meeting and event planner or even a hospitality, you're, you know, anywhere in, in that realm of world, uh, you know, please 
email him if you're willing to share. We can either attach your name to it or not attach your name to it. Um, but uh, we see it as a, a fun book. I don't know who gets the more of the kick out of his articles. The other meeting planners and industry professionals or when they share them with their family members and their family members go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So not sure who appreciates the story much, uh, but it makes them at least know they're not alone. So if you have something, you can email it to Steve at thetaxtranslator.com. Tax, thetaxtranslator.com. Steve, not STG, just Steve at thetaxtranslator.com. STG, by the way, will probably be in the newest, next edition of the MPI glossary, I'm quite sure. Mm. Do you think? Devin would be so proud. Yes. Devin, yes. yes. Um, and uh, just a, a little, um, I guess, plug. If you're, you know, know people who are getting ready to start the CMP process, um, look on the website, look on social media about our upcoming classes. And also you might want to look at the CMP prep to go um, drive that uh, people either t – you know, most of the people who buy that are people who are not taking the classes. So anyway, just a little, that's what's what's up with that. And um, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully this made you think. Hopefully you'll figure out, hopefully you learned something. Hopefully it made you think. And hopefully you'll figure out a way to apply it uh, in your life. Uh, thanks so much. Look forward to being with you on the next episode.